Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Life of St. Philip Neri by Antonio Galonio, chapter 186, section 16. When they opened his chest, they found no damage to his precordia. When they examined his heart, they found it was large and muscular, more than normal. Andrea Cesopino and Antonio Porto considered that this was due to the excessive heat derived from the fervor of his spirit, and they publicly ratified this on oath. The pulmonary arteries, whose function is to carry blood to the lungs so that, they, so that it can be aerated and thus return to the left ventricle of the heart in order to nourish and cool it. I learned all this from the doctors and others who were present, was twice as large as normal because Philip needed to use them more often than most for bringing fresh air and breath into his heart so that he could endure those excessive heats of heavenly fire which customarily assailed him without damage to his health, not to mention danger to his life. Having examined the heart and cut into the tissue, they found no fluid in the pericardium, which surrounds the heart like a wrapper. According to the distinguished doctors, Angelo Vittorio and Giuseppe Zerla, who recorded their evidence on oath, giving it as their opinion that it had been dried up by the fervor of his contemplation. In the ventricles, there are two of these on each side of the heart, like ears. No blood was found, as Zerla testified. Once they had finished the inspection of the chest, they removed the intestines and left the body empty, with no unpleasant odor. The parts removed, hearts, lungs, liver, spleen, and bowels, were placed in an earthenware bowl and deposited in the burial place reserved for the fathers covered with earth. The body was destined to be exposed in the church on the following day for all to see. To satisfy the people, the crowd that gathered on the next day far exceeded the numbers that had come the day before. For the news of the Holy Father's death had spread more widely, so that a greater throng assembled of people of all sorts. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. O sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. St. Philip Neri, heart of fire, choices of priests, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The heart has many parts. Father Galonio, in his description, admits that he had to learn all this about the human heart from the doctors who examined St. Philip's heart. And the heart is, of course, 
the symbol of love. But also the human heart pumps blood, blood that goes throughout the rest of the body, blood that's needed in the rest of the body for it to function. And when we hear this story, our minds go back to St. Therese of Lisieux, Carmelite nun living in one place with great desires to be a missionary. She had desires to proclaim the gospel. She wished she could even have been a man so she could be a preacher, a bishop. Not really wished, but in her desire to proclaim the gospel, she had this sense that that would be great. Of course, she wouldn't have traded anything for what she had as a vocational Carmelite nun. But when she read St. Paul's writings about the various services in the church, the various ministries, she never could quite find her spot, her vocation. None of the things he described about the body of Christ, the church, seemed to exactly apply to the Carmelite nun. And even in the body part, she couldn't understand. She's not the eye, she's not the hand. And suddenly the Holy Spirit gave her a great revelation. She was to be the heart. If the church is a body, there's got to be a heart that pumps blood to the whole body. And in that analogy, the blood represents the divine love. And she says, if, if love was not circulating in the church, the preachers would forget to preach. The missionaries would forget to evangelize. In other words, what motivates all the apostolic work of the church? Divine love, charity poured into our hearts. And Teresa's insight was that a Carmelite nun being in one place, loving Christ and loving souls and standing before God in between sinners and God, making reparation, acts like the heart, that Trez in her prayer could generate divine love, which could be shared with other people in the church, that she would participate in the heart of Christ, experiencing this contemplative love, this pure love, that then in the mystical body could be shared. She said she was going to spend her heaven teaching people to love God the way she did. Okay, so the church needs people who love God and can generate this contemplative love. And one of the things about tonight's reading is telling us is that St. Philip himself is one of those kinds of people. Yes, he was the apostle of Rome. Yes, he had a great active apostle, especially the confessional. But he had this room up at the top of his house. And he spent long, long hours in prayer. And those long masses, those contemplative masses, where he spent hours adoring the Eucharist before he received, what was he doing? But generating divine love that could be shared throughout the church across time and space. St. Philip himself is a kind of heart, as it were, like St. Therese. And so God wanted us to focus on his heart so that we would realize the kind of vocation that he had. And this should encourage all of us because St. Therese, along with St. Philip's friend, St. Francis Xavier, they are the co-patrons of the missions in the church. Francis was the great missionary, the first European to step foot in Japan. 
and he's paired with the great contemplative Carmelite nun, St. Therese. He proclaimed Christ, motivated by divine love, very dependent on those who are praying for the mission, sacrificing for the missions, generating love. So wherever we are tonight, whether we're homebound, whether we're sick, wherever our circumstances have us, we have to be missionaries. There is the need to proclaim Christ in word and deed. There's also the missionary work of focusing all of our love on Christ, directing our love to him, offering him our littleness, our smallness, accepting everything as coming from his hand. St. Philip, teach us to be contemplatives. Teach us to desire that quiet, hidden, loving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.